Welcome to Off Screen. Let's get cinematic. And yes, you can get cinematic. Literally, you can go to the cinemas as of this week. I'm uh, no, <laughs> I'm Bex Perfect. And I'm Van Connor. I, I did. I actually went to see uh, our first uh, film of the week. I actually went to see that first thing on on, uh, on Monday. And uh, strange experience being back in uh, the, the cleanest I've ever seen that cinema, if I'm honest. But uh, I imagine they've had time to scrub up. Yeah. Do you know what? I've just seen so many Twitter well tweets, basically, of everyone just telling, listing off what they're going to go and see at the cinema. And everything to me is like, well, actually, I've already watched that on Disney Plus. <laughs> you know, there isn't really much that's new out this week to kick things off. You'd think it would be like this massive hurrah of like all the top films out week one. But actually, we've got a couple that are out. I mean, they've dumped enough into cinemas that haven't been seen. I mean, I, I think the best film currently in cinemas is one that was actually officially released last week that we didn't get to review, which was the Angelina one. Mm. Uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which I actually thought was a pretty fun, pretty slick action thriller. If you've not seen that, by the way, absolutely watch that. I, was, I thought mm. that was great fun. Uh, yeah. Taylor Sheridan. Had you, had you not go for a Taylor Sheridan movie with Angelina and John Bernthal? Loved it. Um, but of course, we've got to start with uh, a, a film that's been long delayed. This was going to be screened initially for us critics the week after it turned out that lockdown was announced. It is, of course, Sony's latest family, family live-action CG hybrid, the sequel, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. Have you, have you got any anticipation for this one, Dax? Do I look like I've got any anticipation for this? I mean... Did you like the first one? Did you? Did you I didn't all? see the first one. Do you know why? I can't... I've just... Look, let me just put this out there, right? I, I'm not a James yeah. Corden hater, right? But mm. everywhere I look, he's there. So I've just watched the Friends trailer that's dropped. He's he's doing the big, you know, reuniting of the Friends cast. I'm like, why? Why is James Corden doing that? Why was he in the original Peter Rabbit? Is he in this one? Probably. He's in everything. It drives me nuts. Right, so this is this is you know the sequel to the 2018 adaptation of the Beatrix Potter, you know the classic timeless Beatrix Potter works, which yeah. is a sentence you kind of have to say out loud with a big toothy smile, because yeah, it bore no resemblance whatsoever to the timeless classic works of Beatrix Potter, except for the fact no. that the had the same names. It was literally let's just do Dennis the Menace, but he looks like Peter Rabbit. It was insane. <laughs> We've now got a sequel that takes place within a very short time of the, the first movie. The, the, uh, the, the, the pet owner, the, the sort of landowner from the first movie, who was Rose Byrne, has married, is now marrying her, uh, her love interest from the first one, who's Donald Gleason, with the weirdest dye job. I can't figure out why they've done it to me. He looks insane. He looks strange like Ewan McGregor as well. <laughs> and who, incidentally, starred in the much better Beatrix Potter-related movie, Miss Potter, with Renee mm. Zellweger. I did see that. You did yeah, see I did well, see that, and I enjoyed that. Right, so this time around, Rose Byrne has published her own, she self-published a book of Peter Rabbit. She is now Beatrix Potter. She is publishing Peter Rabbit. And she is approached by a publisher, a sleazy corporate publisher, who presents as being the nicest guy in the universe, played by David Oyelowo, which is actually kind of inspired against typecasting in a way. Like, he kind of did this in Rise, again, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but 
other than that, not really a thing he does often. Um, and of course, the whole thing is he's going to he's going to corrupt the product. And in the meanwhile, Peter and Peter and the gang are taken to the big city, which is actually Gloucester, and because that's what the big city is in in Beatrix Potter world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they fall in with a gang of like Dickensian street toughs, who the leader of whom is a rabbit voiced by Lenny James from from The Walking Dead, and it plays Morgan in The Walking Dead. And and it, it, you can kind of see that the Dickensian thing they're going for it becomes a, a rollicking adventure involving heists and the world of publishing, and more importantly, it's a crass marketing exercise about about how bad an idea it is to make a crass marketing exercise out of Peter Rabbit. We're here to help you on that big job you were talking about. Oh, no, no, no. It's much too dangerous. Okay, well, thanks for your time. Is there a taxi stand nearby? No, trust me. We used to steal from McGregor's garden all the time. This is much more different. I'll never forgive myself if anything happened to you. No, we can do anything you need, right? If you need to get to a high place, we're your team. If you need us to be sneaky, we can be invisible. And if you need a distraction... Down by the bay, where the watermelons grow Back to my home, I dare not go For if I do, my mother will say Did you ever see a goose kissing a moose? Are these yours? I've got a question for you. Go on. Is this going to ruin my childhood? <laughs> it's, it's not to be fair. These movies are not like I don't think they're in, you know childhood ruiningly terrible because you won't care enough. You, you don't care enough at all. I found. I mean, obviously, I'm watching this in a screen full of families. You know, there's, there's parents and kids in there. First chance they've had to go to the cinema in you know a long, long time, and the kids did seem to lap it up. And mm-hmm. my my own nephew. I mean, he's only two. He's probably he's like two and a half. He, he's you know dying to see this movie. We didn't think it was safe enough to take him to the cinema. We we made that call. Yeah. Um, but he is desperate to see this. He loves the first one. He loves that TV spin-off they've made out of it as well. And looking at the film on those grounds, I do think it does. I think it's a better movie than the first one, which oh, is a good. low bar. Admit it's a very low bar. Okay. I, I go you know take that caveat. And it's not entertaining to adults at all. I found a sort of cynical amusement in the idea that someone had pitched to Sony at some point, let's make a crass marketing exercise that says it's a bad idea to make a crass marketing exercise out of Pete Rabbit. You know, I, I mean, the, the size of the cojones on that person. And I, it, it's mind-blowing to me. There's a sick amusement to be found in that. And I did have two or three laughs. You know, there's there's what I would call the bean suicide gag in this, mm. which is just uh, Donald Gleason absolutely sells the hell out of it. But other than that, you know, see if you like the first one. If you did not, this is not going to win you over. Let's talk about something a bit more upbeat, though, eh? Yeah, let's let's definitely talk about something a bit more upbeat. So if you're not ready to go to the cinemas right now, that's absolutely fine because you can stay at home and watch a big massive movie on the small screen and that massive movie is out as of today it's called army of the dead it is Zack snyder's newest offering he's not quite as brooding as he has been previously in things like justice league in fact this is a whole lot of fun van is pulling faces at me we're gonna we're gonna debate this one out because i loved this movie i had such a blast with it i'm gonna warn you now it's two and a half hours long it is um it's really long but i've got a good benchmark for it um i didn't know that i didn't know i've started watching it and i, I looked at the runtime as, as it started buffering up and i was like wait what i yeah. mean i know justice league was four and a half but come on zacky boy calm this down 
No, oh, well, do you know what? It flew for me. It was mm. it was a hell of a lot of fun. So look, let's go and let's go and listen to a little bit about it, and then once we come back, we'll tell you just what we think. It's not every man who saves the Secretary of Defense from a horde of flesh-eating monsters, earns the Medal of Freedom, only to end up working at a burger joint. Mr. Tanaka, I'm well aware of my situation. Here's the thing. There's $200 million in the basement vault beneath the strip. $200 million the insurance company already reimbursed me for. Untaxable, untraceable. Unspendable? That's where you come in. My benchmark, just to put this out there, is my husband, right? Throughout the entirety of this pandemic, I have tried to put movies in front of him and he has struggled to stay awake in any of them, okay? And that might be work fatigue, whatever. This one, he was on the ball. He was loving it. And I was like, what is this movie doing that we haven't seen before? And you know what? It is big. It's loud. It's got really great cinematic sequences in it. Like the opening shot, like the title sequence Mm. of... You know, all these zombies in Vegas, you know, it's just so much fun. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm very open here to say, you know, I'm not a massive Marvel DC fan. I don't know the intricacies of all of this kind of stuff. But what I do know is, is that now, I know this isn't directly related, but Zack Snyder, you know, you're going to think of him, Justice League, all that kind of stuff. He's having so much fun with this. And I think that's what works with this. This is a heist movie set in Vegas with zombies keep it as simple as that and you'll really enjoy it that's all you need to know so it's a spiritual sequel to Zack Snyder's first film 2004 zombie film Dawn of the Dead (laughs) which I think doesn't get mentioned specifically in the film I'm not sure if this is meant it doesn't seem to take place in the same world because the human race seems to be functioning fine and you can watch it yeah, and, and to be honest, you can watch this siloed from that, right? You can watch this no, on its own and not have to absolutely. think about that. It's not connected. It's not connected seemingly at all. It, it, see, it seems to be incidental. Why he'd specifically do that is is odd to me, given that he's written this. I mean, I presume it's a rights issue with Dawn of the Dead. I presume you can't just arbitrarily make a yeah. sequel to one of the... Even a remake of Dawn of the Dead. Although I think Dawn of the Dead was universal. No, Shaun of the Dead was universal. What was... Uh, it'll come to me but uh so the film i actually think fine it's enjoyable he has mirrored a lot of dawn of the dead so if you actually double bill those two it works in fact i would i would argue you should probably watch them the other way around watch army of the dead and then watch his dawn of the dead that's a good idea dawn of the the dead incidentally i do think is Zack snyder's best work Mm -hmm. second to that i think is watchman third is 300 um i think it was Three weeks ago, I think Zack Snyder did an interview in which it was revealed, um, and he did this very, very proudly, it was revealed that his favourite novel in the world, that he has dedicated his life to, that he has seemingly earmarked as the movie that that he will create at some point, the adaptation of this book will become his directorial pinnacle, and that is The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Now, it became very, very clear very quickly that Zack Snyder does not understand that book, and the way he talks about it is very, very concerning because it means that Zack Snyder does not understand subtext, which when you contrast that with the events of the last year, specific to a certain superhero movie we'll talk about later, and the climate of fandom he has stoked around that deliberately, that he's now further stoking by deliberately antagonizing Warner Brothers in the press, that's very, very concerning. And when you get to this movie and 
this, uh, you know, this is, I'm, I'm obviously not going to speak ill of, of a family tragedy. That, that's you know, not something I would ever do in a million years. But understanding that Zack Snyder does not know subtext, the idea that this film hinges upon a villain known as the Alpha, uh, who assembles an army to avenge the dead child that he cradles in his hands at one point, mm. is really something that's a very mm. provocative image from anyone else in the world that would not be anywhere near as provocative coming from Zack Snyder that's really saying something now Zack Snyder as we know does not understand subtext like this is academic at this point not even up for debate he does not understand subtext so that being in there is incidental and is a real cause for concern other than that, the film's very good. I actually quite enjoyed it. I had, I had fun. So inventive zombie kills. Zombie Tiger, incidentally, I didn't realise until Calvin told me, created with the, with the aid of Carol Baskin, would you believe? Wow, I love that. That's hilarious. And yeah. you know what? Yeah, look, the effects. For anyone going into this, not knowing Zack Snyder's repertoire, other than maybe hearing his name associated with Justice League and thinking... On a Friday night, oh, I'm just going to watch this new movie. It's probably trending on Netflix. Let's check it out. You are going to be in for a blast. That's the way to look at it. I will say as a caveat, though, it is bafflingly logical. It contradicts itself several times. The plot makes no real sense to speak of. Uh, you can predict pretty much every beat of it. And characters are literally written in as archetypes. I mean, you were, they were literally able to swap one of these out with a green screen because of controversy. So take take that take from that what you will having said yeah. that it's a Zack Snyder movie so it's all you know on his particular spectrum it's already in the top five yeah <laughs> yeah and look I, I it will never go above things like 300 or things like that for me which I, I absolutely love and think is a brilliant piece of work from him but this is if, if you're associating like I say I'm going to pull back to Justice League again brooding dark you know that kind of stuff this is and I think a critic described this this is the this is like a childhood Zack Snyder or it, it, you know really instigating that kind of childhood fun within him and that's what he's bringing out in this work and I think if you can take that that's what you're going to really enjoy from this I think for a guy who's basically dedicated his career to making films that look like video games, the fact that he's effectively done Call of Duty Zombies as yeah. a movie. These, you know what? Fair play, Zach. I'll give you that one. Fair, Fair play. play. But, uh, and- maybe, maybe watch the subtext, though, eh, Zachy boy? Welcome back to Offscreen. You know what? We can change up our format just a little bit because there is stuff going on at the cinema. This is nuts, isn't it? So we're not jumping straight to movies on TV yet. Uh, What you can do is hear more big releases that are out this week. Um, And, you know, I've often described Van in many different words. I think one way of describing him is as a rare beast. And it's quite apt because that is the name of our next title, which is out in cinemas, but also on digital as well as of today. Uh, It stars Billy Piper, doesn't it? It doesn't just star Billy Piper. It's written by Billy Piper. It's produced by Billy Piper. It's directed by Billy Piper. Oh, she's doing an Elizabeth Banks then. (laughs) She's going going full on on this one. And uh, I mean, I'd, I'd argue she probably should have just stayed in bed that day because it probably wasn't worth the effort but uh, okay so she's uh, she's a uh, a single mum slash hard-working uh, media bod named mandy which straight off the bat is an in-joke that if you get it kind of tells you exactly what you're in for and she enters into a relationship with uh, stop me if you've heard this one before billy piper enters into a toxic relationship with a lanky very pasty white man who has outspoken unpopular opinions that he won't shut up about in this case they happen to be about religion 
but I think you can see the obvious reference point here. I hear you're religious. Nothing to be scared of. Well, we're all atheists here, Pete. It's put us in good stead. Has it? I won't take her away. No. Mm. I mean it. And what about work? What about large? Large too. Really? My friend Cressida, you know, um, Cressida from development. Not by face. She's an old family friend. She's getting married. She's very likeable. But I think we should go. We should go and watch people being happy. I suppose talk about art imitating life, maybe. If this is semi-autobiographical, names have been changed. Religion swapped with politics. I mean, you know, yeah, I get where you're going with this. Mm, yeah, you know, I mean, this is, I mean, put it this way, we, we've just talked about Snyder. Uh, we, we're about, I think it's a month to six weeks off of Liam Neeson doing that drama about, you know, being bereaved and having to, you know, pack up the house and move on. So in terms of people exercising their demons in public, you know, that's happening a lot more often than usual lately. Uh, this one is, ooh, I mean, I struggled. I really, really struggled with this. I, I flat out begged. Uh, my, my co-writer at the Morning Star to swap with me. Just give me, give please, give me the documentary about Stalin's funeral. I would, I would genuinely, I would. I mean, I'm a Russian history nerd anyway. I'm not even being facetious. I would have genuinely enjoyed that more than this. I thought this was abysmal. Um, did you see that uh, Catherine Ryan series, The Duchess, on Netflix? Oh, that got cancelled after the first series. Yeah. Dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm really glad. Okay, so I have an inherent... Despite the fact that I'm a big Catherine Ryan fan, I have a huge problem with that series, namely that it's crap. Yeah. And I'm sorry, the same rule applies to this that applies to that, which is, I'm sorry, being simply being obnoxious is not empowerment. That That's not it. I, I, I don't know where this, this perception that this is an empowering movie comes from, other than maybe the last minute and a half of it. But no, no, this ain't it. This I, I, I can see what Billy Piper thinks she's doing. Like but do I you think, care? No, no, I, I don't care. I think it's quite poorly written. I think it's... I mean, her performance is fine. You need for what it is. And, and, and Leo Bill... You know, as as Pete, as the you know the the the, the not so pleasant uh, would be partner who happens to present a lot like a certain let's say toxic semi political figure at this moment in time associated with a certain radio station that we both do a lot of uh, consulting for. Uh, I think that can't quite be denied. Also, uh, uh, David Thewlis turns up in this as, as well. I mean, I'm always happy to see David Thewlis, and obviously he's he's doing this because he worked with her on on uh, mm. uh, the Sally Hawkins movie a few a few months ago that was quite good i forget the name of now but no no i mean just put it this way go and look at who's giving the positive blurbs on this one i'm excluding kermode from this because i, I know he's generally a contrarian anyway but go and look at who's giving the blurbs and you start to see a very distinct pattern as can, to can I, who's lording this is it, i'd like to know what your biggest issue with it is because i from that clip look i haven't seen this I imagine it's a lot of small conversations in rooms over it's all food. Like that. Yeah, exactly. So that would grate on me just as a movie because I found that, like you know, I found that with Undergods, like it was, it's boring. It's not cinematic to watch. Is it that? Is it the subtext? Is it the arrogance? Uh, sorry, not the arrogance. I suppose the obnoxiousness of it. What's the big thing that was driving you to really not dislike this movie? I think it is incredibly obnoxious. I think to be honest, if you can get past its opening scene and and not think, what the hell are we? What? I'm sorry, what are you doing now? 
If you can get past that opening scene, you yeah. know, you're going to be, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. If you, if you have that reaction that I just had to that opening scene, mm. the film is not going to give you any reaction in any particular scene other than that. Like the whole movie is like, he's literally just, I'm going to show up and be crappy to Billy Piper. Billy Piper's going to be crappy to me. That's the movie. Yeah. That, that's the movie. Interestingly, that's interestingly, just before we came on air, I it came it popped up on my my social feeds. This, the Guardian has given this four out of five stars. Of so, it's yeah, camera's film of the week. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. put it this way: I think it's meant to be some sort of you know kitchen sink drama. I would rather drown myself in a kitchen sink. That that is that is what I thought. That I, I thought it was genuinely terrible. This is one of the worst things I've seen this year. I'm sorry, no. And that's why, ladies and gents, that we have. You know, not necessarily an unpopular opinion, but what we have is honesty and, you know, a different point of view when it comes to these movies. So take what you will. You might enjoy what the uh, Guardian and Mark Commode has to say about it, or you might actually fall in line with what Offscreen's got to say about it this week as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Definitely let us know what your thoughts are. Should we move on to something a little bit more fun? Now let's move on to something more upbeat, like the serial killer spin-off movie. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't have thought you wouldn't have put that in the same light as <laughs> um, we say this in jest. Obviously, we're talking about Spiral from the Book of Saw. It's in cinemas yeah. this week. This is this is a huge one. This is the one that isn't for kids. It's for adults, and you can go and enjoy it in the cinema. This is um, so. Before we came to air, Van and I sort of had had it out a little bit about this because we are coming at this film from two very different angles. Van has seen all of the Saw movies. I have not. I haven't watched a Saw movie in 10 years. So you're going to get two very different perspectives on this. But ultimately, this stars Chris Rock, stars Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Chris Rock stars as Detective Banks. Um, very slowly but surely, copycat killings, like what Jigsaw used to do in the Saw movies, are appearing within the world of his precinct, his police precinct. And he is trying to uncover why this is happening and who's next on the list. And ultimately he finds himself at the center of a very morbid game. What is that? Play me. <laughs> okay. Whoa, what are you doing? Don't want to fuck up my computer. Hello, Detective Banks. I'm here to help reform the Metro Police, to remind them of their oath to the people of this city. One officer from your station refused to be reformed. He will not be the last to play my game. Hats off to uh, the team behind Spiral, because its central message you can hear from the clip is obviously, you know, this killer is going after cops specifically. It's about police accountability. It is about institutional failure. Um, and just by dumb luck, I mean, as an unexpected bonus of the past 15 months, of an unexpected bonus of some very horrible events, specifically out of the US, but also in the UK as well, um, this could not be more timely. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you can't you can't deny that it, it presents as being quite timely, even though it is unintentionally so. Having said that, this made me think back very fondly on that very weird, goofy period between 2005, 2006, when Sony's DVD division started cranking out needless, tenuously connected sequels to random movies. We wound up with things like I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer and oh, yeah. Net 2.0 and my personal <laughs> favorite, Roadhouse 2. Yeah. Wow. 
This it's made like me think of central. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally made me think of that. Now, a lot of people have I've, I actually had said to me going uh, before the film came out, which, I, which was, I, I don't like see this working. I don't see Chris Rock working in a Saw movie. It's not Chris Rock being Chris Rock. I mean, there's moments of that, like specifically very early on in which because he's the actual sort of final writer on this, and he apparently came up with the story as well, he seems to have crowbarred in this very strange opportunistic chance to throw the R word at Forrest Gump, which I can't quite figure out, but uh, I mean, evidently Chris Rock thinks that's very timely. But, uh, you know, evidently, as we've discovered with this, there is no such thing as timeliness in the Saw series. It's the weakest movie in a series that already had Saw 4. It's very plodding. It's very predictable. It's quite a weak film. It's quite low energy, I thought, mm, as well. Yeah. It's central whodunit is something that if it takes you more than the opening 15 to 20 minutes to figure out, or particularly the scene in which the character is introduced, I would, I would argue that you probably shouldn't be watching films. I think generally narrative cinema might be a bit too complex a concept for you. But uh, it's... I would, I mean, it's it's the worst Saw movie, but the Saw movies have always been basically fun. This has flickering embers, but there's never a spark. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Actually, that's a really good description. Flickering embers, never a spark. For me, and and you you sort of reminded me of this, I didn't think that there was enough gore in it. I wanted to see more. And I said, there's probably about five moments in it because there's a lot to do with the whole, you know, corrupt police situation going on and I was like I'll get to it this is a Saw movie I want to see I want to see the gruesome bits that's what I was after with this but I winced I I sort of you know I watched this I actually didn't see this in the cinema I watched it on a screening link but I you know I was sat there with my headphones on and my hubby said to me god I haven't heard you scream or shout or you know there are some fun jumpy moments in this and he was like I haven't heard you kind of do that in a movie really for a hell of a long time and maybe that's because I've had such a break from Saw you know, and I've not I've not seen it before. The thing that like a haggard, slightly serious Chris Rock that has Chris Rock's voice doesn't quite work for me. I kind of want him to be more upbeat than he was. And Samuel L. Jackson is nothing more than a cameo in this. And, it really is, isn't he? Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's a very small role. Uh, very strange. There's a couple of very strange things to do with the continuity of this that I think will tell Saw fans a lot about what they're in for. Um, <laughs> First of all, I, I can't quite understand. First of all, Chris Rock is has this gig. Apparently approached. He he went to them. They weren't making the movie and then came to him and said, do you want to be in it? He, oh, he had the idea. Said, I've, I've got an idea for a Saw movie that would be really, really good. And they said, cool. Do you want to write it up for us and star in it and produce it? And he said, sure. And that's how we wound up with Spiral. If Chris Rock is such a fan of the Saw movies... How come he seems to know next to nothing about them? That, that's a question I, I genuinely have after this movie. First of all, uh, even such basic things as his character's name is Zeke. Zeke's already a character in Saw. Why recycle mm. the name? I know that's, that's a, a really weird thing to nitpick, but it's just, it's not a thing that film franchises do. They don't recycle names. Because otherwise, every time you refer to one, you have to, you have to specify which one you're talking about. Like, I'm talking about Zeke. Why, which, which Zeke? Which Zeke are you talking about? He then throws in this line, because the whole plot revolves around, uh, you know, hunting cops, there is a line, John Kramer didn't hunt cops. And I'm sat there thinking, the very first Saw movie killed, I think, offhand, two or three cops. The second Saw movie killed, I think, two. It averages out, if you do the mental math. At is that 2. direct 6. killings? 
Well, ah, well, this is the interesting thing, because Jigsaw never directly kills anyone. He's never killed anyone. Mm. They've been very They've clear themselves. about that. The franchise has been very specific about the fact that John Kramer is not a murderer. He's not a killer in any sense. He has set traps and people have killed themselves in them. Mm. He's not a murderer. This film doesn't go there at all. It just says John Kramer didn't kill cops. 2.6 cops per movie. Incidentally, if you haven't seen a Saw movie in 10 years, does that mean that you didn't review Jigsaw like four or three No, three I didn't. Ago? I didn't, mm -hmm. no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, and it's not for not through any reason. It's just out of coincidence that I haven't watched it. Wasn't, it wasn't press screened. They, they don't. This well, is, I was surprised we got a link for this because they've never press shown Saw movies. I begged to see Jigsaw. I actually said to them, I, I was straight up with Lionsgate and said, look, we, we know. We know the Saw movies are crap, but I find them really fun. And if you've got like a fan screening or something like that, you can get me into, I will really appreciate it. I know at the very least I'm going to have a good time. So, you know, don't, don't think that you're going to get like negative press out of this. I'm very aware of what the film is, but I'm, I'm also very, you know, self-aware about what it is I'm in for. Like I'm, I'm in this for a good time. Yeah. You know, that's all I care about if you've got one plan. And they didn't. They didn't have a fan screening. They just do not show these movies in advance. So the idea that they were with this, that surprised me. Yeah, maybe it's because of the big names that were attached. But mm. look, ultimately, it's a tidy one hour, 33 minutes. It's an easy watch. It might not give you everything if you're a massive Saw fan, but if, like me, you're reintroducing yourself into the Saw universe, it kind of gives you a taster of what to expect. And, you know, and it's it's enjoyable for what it is. It's not going to break the bank and it's not going to be like something that is completely groundbreaking with it. But you know what? It was fun for an hour and a half. That's what I'd say about it. Welcome back to Off Screen, and in a newly reduced, I mean, it feels almost pleasant to reduce the the preview uh, seg segment of the show because it means cinemas are open. I mean, don't get me wrong, we don't get to talk about uh, schlock horror movies, I don't get to introduce you to some gumph anymore, Vex, but uh, still, we've still got some fun to be had on the old telly box, as you we would do. say. So let's, let's start a Saturday night then. Where shall we go, Vex? Well, we're going to go to the sequel of one of my favourite films of all time, actually. Uh, we are going straight straight to, well, four at 9.30 p.m. It's Sicario 2 Soldado. Uh, now, this brings back uh, Benicio Del Toro and also uh, Josh Brolin as well, but no Emily Blunt in this. But what we're seeing is that we're seeing the FBI agent Matt Graver calling on a mysterious operative uh, when Mexican drug cartels start to smuggle terrorists across the UK, the US border, not the UK border. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a totally different movie. Um, I want you know to see what? that movie. Yeah, I so do I. Film. Right, get that written, Bex. <laughs> Someone pitch that to Tiger. I don't need to pitch it. People will just hear that and they'll go, I'm going to make it. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Like I enjoyed this as a sequel. I think expectations were high from the original movie. But mm. you know what? Overall, this is still another solid offering. Stefano Salima uh, has directed this. Um, I know you're a fan of, of, of Stefano's work. And... I think it just doesn't hold up to the first one, but I'm not sure any sequel ever will. But you know what? It leaves itself open to a third movie as well mm. at the end, which I think is quite exciting. Fantastic performances, overall great look and feel to it. Where was Emily Blunt? Bring her back. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, I love the fact that by the time they did the sequel, they couldn't afford the sort of offhand sidekick from the first movie, who, of course, was Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> but yeah. so by that point, you know, it actually done, he'd actually he'd broken out effectively by the time they got around to making the sequel. But this is very much the sort of alien to aliens formula, whereas the first yeah. one is a lean, very, a much more lean stealth 
film. The second movie is This Time It's War. And you know, Benicio kicking some serious ass in this. I mean, and Big time. Getting, his, getting his own ass kicked, like, well and truly uh, in this one. Works but, both yeah. ways. But that's going to be a solid... Yeah, I was going to say, that's going to be your solid Saturday night. Um, moving on and kicking some, I will say but rather than ass. Um, <laughs> well, again, another favourite film of mine. But also, Van, I know you're gonna, you love this as well. It's True Lies on E4 at 9pm on Sunday. It is often said that had this movie not opened when it had, like, uh, and, and, you know, the next one in the chain had come along instead, Arnie would have been finished in about 1994. Um <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. This was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. It is uh, based, it's an adaptation of a French movie. Uh, I think it's something total. Destruction Total, I think, something like that. Um, yeah. ad- adapted for the screen by uh, James Cameron, starring Schwarzenegger, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Arnold, uh, Art Malik, Tia Carrere. Remember when Tia Carrere was in movies? Oof. And it's the story now. of. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think she's still popular on Instagram, from what I can gather. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, it is uh, the story of Harry Tasker, a, uh, a, a secret agent for the Omega Division, run by Charlton Heston, who finds his secret his secret identity basically brought out into the world when terrorists realize exactly who he is and go off and kidnap not only him, but his completely in the dark wife as well. Do you know what this is? I know what this is. It's a snow cone maker. That's what it is. Do you know why you've been brought here? So that this man can verify to the world the Crimson Jihad is now a nuclear power. How can he do that? He is just a salesman, for Christ's sake. thing you will see will be your blood spraying across his face love that movie i love art malik and a very scary guy but so you I mean, obviously you're a true lies fan aren't you oh my goodness the scene with jamie lee curtis where she dances is one of the funniest <laughs> weirdestly sexy like it's just it's just brilliant like the humor in it is fantastic and you know before there was mr and mrs smith you know true lies mm. is just kind of it's, Actually, it's the yes. og yeah yeah that's a good yeah. comparison, actually, to Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Smith, because it has elements of that. It's almost like he, someone watched that and thought, okay, now I've got an idea for a movie. Let's get Brad and Angelina on the phone. i got an idea. And uh, let's, let's just clear it with his wife first. I mean, evidently, something... Uh, <laughs> you know. Right, okay, so um, let's, uh, let's move on to Monday night, then. Starting the week in style, and uh, let's go to a land down under back. So let's talk oh. about uh, Crocodile Dundee, then. Yeah, so this is... Uh, do you know what? I saw something in the news recently. Paul Hogan is 81 years old. Now, if you no. ever thought... <laughs> if you ever thought that the film could age you, um, then this is this is kind of it. It's from 1986. Um, I can't believe it. He looks weird. Like, I looked at a photo of Paul Hogan and was like, wow. Like, the he, he looks now? the same. Just a little bit more droopy is what I'd say. <laughs> you know what it is? It's because he already had that absolutely sun-drenched leather skin anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. He already looked middle-aged when this started. I mean, yeah. he was middle-aged when this started. But I think the last sequel we had to Crocodile Dundee was in 2001. I think Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles was 15 years after the first one. Wowzers. Okay. Well, look, the first one, which is 
Again, the original, the one that we, we, we know and love. That's not a knife. This is a knife. This is a knife. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, um, that's not a knife, it's a spoon. I've played <laughs> spoony before. This is a hell of a lot of fun. If you haven't seen Crocodile Dundee before, I definitely recommend that you do it. So it's it's about a journalist who travels to Australia to interview um, a crocodile poacher. He rescues her from an attack. She invites him over to New York. They ultimately fall in love and this is their story. And it's just so much fun. It's such a weird movie. It's kind of, it's classic 80s, isn't it? It's bonkers in a way. Well, this obviously took place during, as The Simpsons famously, uh, you know, sort of defined, this took place during the Australia boom of the 1980s in which Australian culture was very in vogue for five minutes. Mm. You wound up with the, the Men at Work song and things like that. Um, yeah. It is effectively a straight adaptation of Tarzan. But yeah. done, instead, instead of the jungle man, it's the outback man. And yeah. it's the same formula. Otherwise, it is, you know, Jane brings Tarzan home. In this case, Jane brings Crocodile Hunter home. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it, it's good fun. It does hold up. I would argue that we, you know, Australia being as removed from the world geographically as it is, has still kept this relatively relatively well preserved. Let's breeze through uh, the next two days really quick because there are films we've, they are films we've talked about before. Tuesday night on Sony Movies at 9 p.m., Baby Driver's on. Probably one of the greatest car movies of the last decade. I mean, between this, Fast and Furious and Drive, isn't it? Yeah, I watched this um, only last week, in fact, uh, because it is also available on Netflix. But we're talking about if you if you haven't got Netflix, you can also catch it on Sony Movies at nine o'clock on Tuesday. And just to give you a, a little heads up, Crocodile Dundee is on Film Four at seven o five p.m. on Monday as well. So, um, so just in case you were wondering, we just got so involved in the Crocodile Dundee yeah. chat. But yeah, Baby Driver, the soundtrack, the cast, the heist element to it—it it, you know, it's brilliant and it's so much fun and it's so well done. And I forgot until I watched it again that Lily James is the love interest in this but you know it's it's great to kind of see all of that um, Ansel Elgort uh, we we cannot say his name we will do Kevin Spacey is in this as well I mean if, if we're going to get down that road we really shouldn't be saying Ansel Elgort's name either but eh, he's still uh, working to be fair he's going to be in West Side Story know? yeah is he's he going to be in West Side Story because the, the, the press coverage for West Side Story is going to be very very interesting Yes, it will indeed. Uh, but yeah, Baby a lot, Driver. A lot, like the, uh, a lot like the Death on the Nile coverage is going to be as well. Interesting. Yeah, let's, mm. let's, yeah, let's, 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 let's hold that back for when we can really go, go to town on it. Uh, but Baby Driver, Sony Movies, 9pm on Tuesday. Um, it's our favourite shark. Uh, Jaws <laughs> is here on ITV at 9pm on Wednesday. Who doesn't love Jaws? I just think it's a good one to have in there because if you haven't seen it in a few years, again, like Crocodile Dundee, it holds up. You'd be surprised, actually, in this day and age, how many people have never seen Jaws, actually. Mm. It's, it's, it, it's shocking to me. I'm always blown away by it, and yet it happens so often. I, I, yeah. I've, introduced, I've introduced actual friends to Jaws, like adult friends of mine to Jaws. It, it blows my mind. Every, and they always love it. They always, my ex-girlfriend's favourite movie of all time. But, I watched uh, it, I, I, I tell you what, I watched it on a rubber dinghy in a Lido on like a yeah. special like event screening. It was really fun to kind of do oh, <laughs> Yeah, so much fun. Speaking of uh, event movies then, Thursday night, I mean, this is one we've talked about a lot. Thursday night, Sony movies at 9pm. I mean, a lot of our movies are about 9pm this week. That's usually yeah. a good slot for the films, isn't it? Um, on Sony Movies, they're showing Blade Runner 2049, one of the best-looking movies of this century, hands down, surely. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Like this is, I, I put it in there and you're like, we've talked about this. I was like, but I can't stop talking about it. You know, it is so great. The look, the feel, um, you know, Ryan Gosling, fantastic, you know, new character to build into this, this world. And of course, Harrison Ford is still in it. Blade Runner 2049, what's not to love? Mm. Also, incredible CG recreation of Sean Young. Yes. But, uh, which, it turns out, is actually the best way to, to, to be exposed to Sean Young, is just to have a CG version of her that doesn't spout politics. But uh, anyway, let's <laughs> on to Friday night then. BBC One, 10.45pm. Weird time of night to stick a movie this long on, if I'm being honest. Avengers Age of Ultron. You, you picked this uh, apparently to play Kate Reed, didn't you? Well, yeah, I just, look, you are my Marvel DC aficionado and I mm. saw it on the list and it's on BBC One, 10.45pm and I was like, Friday night, big Avengers ensemble, what's not to love? And then you come back at me and go, ha, really? You picked Age of Ultron? And I was like, oh no, what have I done wrong? <laughs> I mean, I for my money, I actually think it's the third worst Marvel movie. Oh, Great. I think... <laughs> I think the worst is unquestionably Iron Man 2, and then it's Thor The Dark World, but then this, and this is just a shambles. Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's, despite the fact that Joss Whedon's involved in this, it seemingly doesn't have an arc. I can't, which is very, you know, telling of a movie that literally features an arc reactor, but there's no arc in this. There are no arcs in this. Nobody learns anything. At the end of the movie, they get together and say, uh, here's what we've learned. You're like, really? When did you learn this? Because I, I, I feel like you can't just tell us the message of the movie. You kind of have to learn it. That's that's kind of how an arc works, but okay. But you know what? Superhero smash-up, lots of robots, and you know what? At least it's got James Spader as a villain. And the idea of a James Spader-Robert Downey Jr. reunion for me, that was the selling point of the movie. I didn't despise it, but I didn't like it at all I mean, I, but I, think I, you, about it like you say think about it for a Friday night right someone who's yeah. who doesn't know a lot about the world of Avengers it might just be a fun easy watch to see you through into the weekend so as an A to B to C film though doesn't work just doesn't no. work like, is this the why? B film then is this the B does this sit at B no this is. I mean this is like a D well, if you're going to give it an, an actual grade this is like a D oh sorry no. I thought you meant as in like you've got one, I can't remember what order they go in, but is this the oh, middle no, film? I, this, I mean, this is the middle, technically. If you count Infinity yeah. War and Endgame as one film, then this is the middle of that trilogy. Uh, but I meant this is like, you know, this is... In grading. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of grading, it's a D film, but I meant the A to B to C of narrative structure. This simply doesn't work. Like going, okay. going from point A to point B to point C doesn't mm -hmm. work at all. Okay. Because for Fair one enough. thing, I mean, they literally introduce a character in the third act to take out the bad guy and like, there's no catharsis to this. It makes yeah. no sense. This character has no emotional attachment to this. The character that does have the emotional attachment to this is on the other side of the of the you know the arena fighting something else. Like I don't understand. If you swap out the end of this for if you put Tony Stark where Vision is, this makes a lot more sense. Hmm. If you need to create Vision because he's needed for future films, that explains kind of why this has happened. I mean, it's not a it's not a garbage film, but it's close. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Off Screen. Yes, we are back with still your DVD, your Blu-rays and your streaming. So don't worry, that has gone nowhere, despite the fact that you can now get out of your house and go into the cinemas. So you can get your DVDs and Blu-rays in actual shops now. Oh, yeah, there is that. God, are we in the 80s again? Who knew? Um, <laughs> so there ain't no blockbuster anymore, Beck. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about, well, some of the big things that you can get on DVD and Blu-ray first. These are available as of Monday. Zack Snyder's Justice League. So not just Justice League, this is Zack Snyder's Snyder Cut of it. Four hours of glorious... And a half. Is it? Four and a half oh, yeah. hours. And would I say glorious? Would you say it's glorious, Justice League? I don't know. I'd rather take a power drill to my own temples and never watch a single frame of this toxic garbage ever again. I mean, I'm glad Great. it's on DVD and Blu-ray now because it means that there's no other format I have to review this drivel on. I think it's an absolute sham, and I think any member of the public who bought into this absolute garbage fandom actually deserves to be cast out of ever seeing films again. Cool. Should we move on? <laughs> yeah, here's, here's a clip. A new toy? Prototype troop carrier. I once knew a man who would have loved to fly it. Best minds away in aerospace couldn't make it fly. But you can. I have no choice. I need more range and I need more cargo. I think there's an attack coming. Not coming, Bruce. It's already here. From what I've learned, there are things from another universe. They serve a dark power. An old power. What do they want? To invade. To conquer. Did you know that uh, Zack Snyder was recently quoted, in fact, not recently, he was quoted as saying that uh, if uh, he were allowed to do whatever he wanted with Batman, he'd be a prison rapist? True story. Oh, okay. Mm. That's a, that's a but, 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 you know, but, but Zack Snyder gets comics. You know, just, that's the thing. Fair enough, fair enough. Look, I sat through maybe half of the Snyder Cut. I didn't make it all the way through the four hours. That's like you're in it. <laughs> well, that's why I watched the first half, is just to check whether or not I had an extended cut. And my voice did. you did. find yourself? Yes. Did you, oh, 20... Your voice is? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I watched when I watched Army of the Dead, I saw they cut to a news reporter on one of those scenes, and I was like, that's what they should have done in Justice League, and that's why I was there. <laughs> but you know what, Zach? I'm not going to hold it against you. For me, it's kind of, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you at that point, like, where where the extension is for what we, you know, what, what I needed to look forward to to make this four hours. But I'll leave this one to the fans. It's not really, you know, apart from my personal investment in it, it's not really one for me. Did you know that last week Zack Snyder was quoted as saying that he doesn't like slow-mo in movies? True story. 10% of uh, his four and a half hour Justice League is in slow motion. That's actually been mathematically calculated. I feel like but you're Zack weirdly Snyder obsessed. I feel like you're obsessed with Zack Snyder. (laughs) No, I just have a very good memory and I remember every blatant lie I ever hear. Anyway, let's talk about Tom and Jerry, the movie that's out on DVD this week. Uh, You know the shtick. It's Tom versus Jerry. This time they're setting up residence in a swanky New York hotel into which gig economy millennial worker Chloe Moretz has recently taken employment and basically gets assigned the task of evicting the hotel's one and only rodent occupant, taking in a nearby alley cat to aid her in this task. It is live action with it's CG, but it's meant to look hand animated. Yeah. And I like the animated style, actually. I think that the style of this is actually really good. It's something I would love to see them do to, for instance, Scooby-Doo. I'd love mm. to see them reunite the original uh, 2002 
uh, squad for, for another Scooby-Doo movie that would be I mean I don't think you'd get Linda Cardellini back in the orange sweater anytime soon but I would love them to try <laughs> and I mean, imagine Sarah Michelle Gellar being Daphne now now that's a movie I want to see I want to see <laughs> middle-aged mystery machine that's what I want to see and um, Freddie Prince Jr let's not let's keep Fre- one in for the girls <laughs> I, well, I mean, to be honest with you, that's one phone call, isn't it? It's one phone call to both Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, on to, uh, to Street. I mean, I don't think Tom and Jerry's particularly any good, but my nephew likes it. He's two. So well, make of that what you will. Uh, on to streaming then, film that I adore. And I, I couldn't find a clip for this, strangely. I think we talked about this very briefly recently. Mm. On Amazon Prime on Monday the 24th is a movie starring Jet Li, Bob Hoskins and Morgan Freeman. It is called oh, Unleashed. Yes. Now, yes. I do remember you talking a bit about this. Is this, this, this Bob Hoskins' last film? I don't think it's his last because this is, I think, 2004 and I, I, if, I, if I said that, I was wrong because Doomsday is 2007 okay. and he's in that. And he did things after that as well. Yeah, anyway, I, have been meaning, I have been meaning to watch this one. So Bob Hoskins is the villain of this. Oh, I love this. And he has basically conditioned Jet Li from birth, leaving him in a cage and raising him as a dog. He has raised him as a fighting dog who has a collar and he is psychologically conditioned so that when Bob Hoskins removes the collar, he instantly turns into a savage, feral beast and kills whatever's in front of him. That is the movie. However, well, sorry, the movie actually is he is cut off from his owner, quote-unquote owner, and is taken in by a blind pianist and his granddaughter, blind pianist being Morgan Freeman and the granddaughter, who teach him to discover his own humanity. Not only is it an incredibly savage, hyper-violent movie at times, not only does it show off that Jet Li can genuinely emote and act as well as he can kick ass, and he can kick ass with the best of them. But it also shows you that Louis Leterrier can direct really well. This has, like, Luke Besson producing and things mm. like that. Uh, goes on to give us things like, you know, uh, 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 Wrath of the Titans, Clash of the Titans remake and Incredible Hulk and films like that. Um, but this is, if you've never heard of this movie, it's called Danny the Dog in some countries. Right. But it's called Unleashed in the UK. You've got everyone I've ever shown I love the to, premise. Blown away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Premise. Watch the trailer and you'll be like, wow, how did I not know that's a movie? It's fantastic. You've got to see it. Amazon Prime from Monday. So good. Really, really good. I can't, I can't wait to watch that. Okay. Uh, Tuesday, 25th, Spider-Man Far From Home is... Uh, well, it's, it's at home at Netflix. Um, this, is this the one where they go on a school trip? Yeah, this is Spider-Man on holiday. Yes! That's literally what this is. Spider-Man's European vacation. Yeah. Um, which With Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Yeah. Yeah, because this kind of weirdly opens up this strange trope of these movies that Spider-Man's villains all seem to be people that Tony Stark has annoyed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that just seemed like I think someone made the gag on Twitter that the next movie is just going to be Craven the Hunter, who's a rainforest cafe waiter that Tony Stark forgot to tip. You know, <laughs> that's, that's going to be the premise of the next one. But uh, hey, this is Mysterio, you know, joining forces with uh, Spider-Man to fight these elementals, you know, evil evil entities from another dimension however mysterio may have you know mysterious motivations of his own but again i've kind of given you that already this is on netflix because it's co-owned by sony and sony have a deal with netflix that's why this Mm. is you know 
I think it might also be on Disney Plus. I'm not sure what the the situation is there. I think it is part of Disney Plus as well. It might be on both. But uh, I tell you, what, it is on Disney Plus though, and this is going to be huge. Yeah, and you know what? This is this is going to be massive, and you will we'll talk about it more next week because mm. we'll be able to see it when it goes to the cinemas as well. But this is premium Disney Plus, isn't it? Mm, yes, yes, it's Premier Access. Which I should probably Premier start Access. Putting that on our show notes. Yeah. yeah, Premier Access. Which I think because the next one we're getting after Cruella is is Black Widow. I think is going to be the yeah, next Premier yeah. Access. By the way, we are talking it. about Cruella. Yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Marvel on the brain, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, it's because it's I got to hate on Justice League. My mind's like, we need to talk about something positive that's comic book related now. Just well, bring Marvel up. Do you know what? Cruella, early reactions on social media have been mm. hugely positive. So um, I'm really excited about this. You know, it's set in the 70s. You've got Emma Thompson in this as like, I suppose the villain's villain in it um you've got emma stone acting as cruella Deville in this and the outfits the 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 world and setting that they've created that we've only seen so far from the trailer look incredible so i am so excited to see this next week i think they have they have seemingly positioned this as an origin story for yeah. the glenn close incarnation which yeah. is i think an incredible decision it's a very wise decision as well because if you're going to keep doing the disney live action adaptations thing You've already got 101 and 102 Dalmatians. Keep them. There is an entire generation now that have grown up on those movies. Like, yeah. like you or I, for instance, you yeah. would have been in our early teens when the, the yeah, movie yeah, started yeah. getting made. My, my younger sister, for instance, you know, knows that as 101 Dalmatians. That is what mm. that is to her. In the same way that my nephew now knows The Lion King solely as being the live, well, can we say live action? I mean, the new version. Yeah. This is, say, the prequel to the Glenn Close version. So I'm, I'm very curious what they're going to crowbar in yeah. there. I mean, I, I was astonished to discover that her name in the movie isn't Cruella de Vil. She adopts that name. It's something that she mm. takes on. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see what they've done with it. I've heard uh, Joker but for Harley Quinn banded around as a shorthand, which, okay, I'm more interested in that than I was in Joker. So cool. Let's see what you got. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, in terms of those early reactions, critics who were saying that they're not massive fans of these live action retellings actually were quite blown away by this. So that's really, really positive. Moving on, uh, on the same day next week, so also out on Friday, also on Disney Plus. Van, you're going to have to tell me about this one. Choke. Right choke 2008 adaptation of a chuck palinuk novel now you might know chuck palinuk's work from fight club yeah he obviously mm -hmm. famously wrote fight club this is an adaptation of another of his novels this stars sam rockwell and angelica houston sam rockwell is a low as a low rent grifter who pays to keep his mother in a nursing home solely by extorting people by faking asphyxiation in restaurants and getting them to do the heimlich and yeah, that's literally it. Uh, it's 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 a deranged movie. It's the kind of film that I watch and go, this is so messed up. I have to love it. And if you want a sample of this, this is <laughs> here's Sam Rockwell on a date. But don't kiss me on the mouth. Don't ask if you're hurting me. And if you hear the safe word, stop what you're doing immediately. Do you have pantyhose? Put it for your head. Oh. I need you to be a faceless attacker. Here, you'll need this. Whoa. Um, couldn't I just, you know, rough you up a little? Mm, no, absolutely not. The knife is very important to my total experience. But you know, be careful with it, because you so much as scratch me with that thing, I will have you in prison before you can put your pants on. Anything else? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tone. 
you know what? That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm quite, I'm intrigued to see that actually. It is really fun, and Sam Rockwell is genuinely hilarious in it. In, I mean, he's not going for gags. It's it's kind of absurdist comedy. It's deadpan absurdist comedy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's every sense. It's like the funny moments in Fight Club. It is that kind of straight face. I'm going to say something so extreme to you, but I'm going to do it with complete seriousness, even though what I'm saying is ludicrous insanity. <laughs> um, absolutely check this out. I can't believe this is on Disney+. Plus. What a time to be alive. Wow. Disney is showing choke. And that's on from Friday next week alongside uh, Cruella on, on Premiere Access. I mean, for me, that's that's just that that's how you end a week with choke. Yeah, and and, and I imagine that's on the stars element of Disney Plus. That's yeah, on the, yeah, the, the adult version of it. Um, so next week we have got more movies for you that are coming out of the cinema. We got Cruella, which we've already mentioned. Uh, we're going to be reviewing First Cow. Bank job and also the conjuring the devil made me do it um so i'm, I'm quite excited to see uh, see those actually it's going to be a good it's going to be a good selection for you um so yeah another good week we're back at the movies van it's exciting I- times I'm really looking forward to uh, the Conjuring one because I, I know yeah. I know a fair amount about the actual case this one's based on. So Ooh. I'm very intrigued to see what they've done with it. So yeah, yeah we shall we we shall see. It was the very first time that anyone claimed the devil made them do it in court. It's a courtroom. It's a courtroom horror movie. Yeah, yeah. But don't yeah. tell me anything because I want to go no. into it not knowing anything about the real life case and see how it plays out just on that. So you guys at home have two very different views on it. And we can we can enjoy the, the fruits of that labour, I think, next week, Miss Birthday. So in the meanwhile, <laughs> well that's that's about all we've got time for, really. So I've been Van Connor. And I've been Bex Perfect, and we shall return. <laughs>